I greet you this morning in Jesus' name. It's interesting how that in one week's time, I had no anticipation of being here. Should we say, uh, Kendrick, the Lord directed in that way? Sometimes we don't see what the purpose is behind God's leading, but we know and we want to trust him to have to lead our way. I bring greetings to you from the Church of Gospel Light. Uh, uh, we're gathered there this morning. Brother Chris is preaching there. Uh, and uh, we think of you often. You're in our prayers. Uh, I do see your group is a bit smaller. I'm not sure how many are actually missing, but I, I uh, oh my, this is a lot fewer than I anticipated. <clears throat> I still intend to give, share all that I was going to, so some of you will have to just receive a little more than others, or than what you would have had the church been filled. But nevertheless, it's good to be here with you this morning. And I trust that the Lord would grant each of you a blessing, that you would be able to receive something from his word, you know, we have already received that, and we anticipate that God will speak to us yet some more. I'd like if we could bow our heads for a word of prayer before we continue. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I invite you to come in our midst. I pray that your Holy Spirit would direct and guide this service, this message, would you suit a blessing to each one of them? Lord, I pray that you would open each one of our hearts to the truths of your word. Lord, we thank you that you've shown us again how that you order our lives and that you desire for us to walk in faith and to trust you. And we do trust you for that this morning. Lord, I pray that you would minister grace to those who are suffering for their faith this morning. That we could bear with them. That we could feel the bonds that they experience. And that you would lift them up to the throne of grace. And we know that they do experience your grace in many ways. Lord, I pray that you also would direct my words this morning. We thank you for the written word of God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit to guide us. And I pray that from this message that you might be honored, that our lives might be channeled closer to you, that we could walk with you and find your presence real and near in our lives. And for this, we thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. The burden of the message that God has laid on my heart this morning is, is threefold, and I trust that that doesn't overwhelm you. Probably a burden for a message should be just onefold, but somehow I'm coming up with three things that I feel impressed upon my heart that if I can some way pass on to you something that you could grasp just a little bit, 
of each of these burdens and that it would bless your life, it would prepare you more for the future, then my joy would be fuller. So this morning, we want to look to the, the things, the burden of my message this morning is, number one, that we may see more clearly that as followers of Christ, we are seeking a heavenly kingdom. We are seeking a city beyond this life. So that'd be the one burden that I'd like to bring out in the message. And number two, that our lives would demonstrate without a doubt, unprecedented, it's without a doubt, that we are true disciples of Christ. That those who see us in everyday living, in life around us, they would say, that man is a man of God. That sister walks with God. You know it. You can see it in her life. And so I pray that 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 could uh, just seep out of our lives that people would see, those we meet around us, that they would see that this is a believer. This is a follower of Christ. And then, and that, that we would, or should, that we should prepare our hearts to suffer for Christ's sake. Because I believe that persecution is coming. Now, You may not believe that, and that's okay, and I'm not here to argue that point. But whatever comes in our life, whether it's persecution or difficulties or things that are in a different course than what we were anticipating, we need to have a heart prepared to receive those things. May God help us as we as we look at this subject this morning, as I thought about it, uh, to talk about suffering for Christ is not a very popular thing to speak of. It's, uh, we would rather talk about the blessings of God and how that they're poured out in your life and it makes your life so rich and full. But... I think sometimes our thinking has to be adjusted some. And we have to think about that maybe suffering, maybe suffering actually does make our life more rich and full. That maybe as we walk with God and we experience suffering and difficulties because of our faith, we're actually richer and more blessed than we realize. I uh, recently, my wife and I have read this book that uh, talks about early Anabaptists and them facing martyrdom and how that these people, whether they were going to the stake or whether they were tortured and martyred in some other ways, these people had a sense of God's presence with them. And that the suffering that they were going through right then was intense and was very real. But yet, 
the peace of God was with them. And they bore a testimony to those around that saw this martyrdom. And they said there was something unusual about that individual. And so, this morning I'd like for us just to think a little bit down that line that uh, we, we see that we are more that we are followers of Christ and that we seek a heavenly kingdom. For a text this morning, somehow I like texts. I like for us to think about one verse. And let's go to Hebrews 13, verse 14. I think it's interesting how the writer of Hebrews uh, puts this here. For here have we It sounds like you have something, but no, it says, For here have we no continuing city, but we seek one to come. So, as we think about our lives and all that happens in our life from day to day, if if one thing I could leave with you and that you would remember this coming week and the coming days with be that we have no continuing city. There is no city, there is no place of lasting value in this life. Society all around us looks for things that are sure. You know, if we can, if we would Invest in this, possibly it's positive. You're going to get great returns. Things that are sure. And we even want uh, to make sure that our health is well. And we do all that we can. We want to make sure that it's right. And we want to make sure that our families are walking with God. We like things that are fixed and sure. And, And we have here... No continuing city, but we look for one to come. So, society looks for something that is, something they can grasp a hold of and hang on to. But how should it be for the Christian? How should it be for us? There's, in life, we get busy with life. We get involved in life. Our work has a way of consuming us sometimes, doesn't it? It's, it's like it becomes, we become engulfed in our work. And sometimes we forget that we don't have a continuing city here. That we need to be looking for a city, that one that is to come, that we need to be seeking one to come and that that will be our guiding force. And so I trust that as we face life, maybe every day, in the coming days that you'll think about it, we don't have a continuing city. But I am looking for one to come. And I wonder if we could ponder that and it would direct our lives in such a way that as we go about our activities in life, our work, that we say, how will this Point me to a heavenly city to seek the one to come. And I realize that 
as I'm sharing this, I need this as much as any of you do, I'm sure. And just that I don't think about seeking that heavenly kingdom near like I ought to. It doesn't, it doesn't engulf my thinking. And I don't know, to what point should it engulf our thinking? How much should it affect us? And I trust that as you ponder that this morning, that God could show you areas where this is an area that I, I really think it's taking too much of your life. And that he wants you to think about seeking that city to come, that heavenly kingdom. And so I trust that our, our hearts could be stirred to be thinking about this heavenly city, this city that is to come and that we would seek it and look for it. We have here no continuing city, no, would we say, no lasting city, none that will stand through eternity. But we know that if we have our eyes set and we seek that city to come, that, that we will be blessed richly and that our hearts would be strengthened. We have here no city that will stand and endure, although sometimes it looks like it will and it, and it draws us, yet it won't stand and endure. Now, how should, how should those live who are seeking that better country? Uh, it's a challenge for us. Uh, recently, in a devotional book, Beside the Still Waters, I don't know if any of you read it, uh, I'd like to share just a, a story out of there, one of the writings uh, back on August 13. It talks about so unlike your Christ. Have any of you read that? Okay, then it's not uh, it's not old stuff to you. It's written by a Roger Berry, and uh, he the title is "So Unlike Your Christ." Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Are we professing Christians doing? Are we doing that? Is our minds, the mind of Christ, being demonstrated in our lives? Everyday living, Jesus walking the way, the truth, and the life. The story here is of a famous spiritual leader, Mahatma Gandhi, living in India during the time when his country gained independence from Britain. He was a Hindu but he admired the teachings of Jesus, especially his rejection of violence. Gandhi had numerous encounters with Christianity, and he became curious about how Christianity was lived out. While studying, he asked to live with a Christian family and was placed in the home of a prominent minister. He concluded that he could see the teachings he could not see the teachings of Jesus being practiced in that home. Gandhi once told some Christian missionaries, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. 
Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Gandhi eventually rejected Christian religion, saying he did not reject Christ, but Christianity. I'm not sure if he, I think in reality, if he couldn't accept Christianity, he couldn't accept Christ either. But anyway, paradoxically, he was assassinated by a fellow Hindu. Now, if a modern-day Gandhi came to live with your family or visit your church, would he, what would he observe? Would he see Christ teaching, being practiced, love, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control? Or would he decide that you, you are so unlike your Christ? As I read that story, it stirred my heart my heart to think about it. What do people see in me? And how does, how is Christ demonstrated to those around me? Is my life like Christ? May God help us as we, as we consider that. Uh, Sometimes we assume that Well, I started on the way with Christ, and so everything I do must be in that course as well. I wish it would be that easy, if you could just say, I got started, and now I'm okay from here on. But we know that it isn't quite that way, that we still have, we still need to draw closer to him. We still need to evaluate who we are and where we are going and what, what we are demonstrating to those around us. And so, as we ponder that, uh, you can get a little bit of a burden here for what, you know, that we would, that uh, statement where we would be truly, beyond the shadow of a doubt, followers of Christ, true disciples of his. As a, uh, And as I asked that question, how shall those live who seek this better country? My mind and thoughts went to the heroes of faith. And I I know that we, if we could turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, I'd like to just look at several, some of these verses in Hebrews chapter 11. They're very familiar to us. But I'd like for us to ponder Those who are actually seeking the kingdom of God, this heavenly city, this new Jerusalem, how do they live? What is it about them that makes them different than the average person in society? And I'd like to just jump in here at verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 11. These these all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a city. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. There's something about 
in these verses here that I read that I'd like to draw your attention to. Not having received the promises, but having seen them. Having seen. Through faith I, they looked ahead and they saw what was promised them. And they laid hold of that. And when they saw it, I believe that that vision that they had of the kingdom of God and what it meant for them, it began to order their lives and they walked in a way that was pleasing to him, to the Lord. I believe they also saw, also in that verse, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Now it's interesting, as, as we, as businessmen, as we as workers, however, whatever avenue or you find yourself in, you start a business and it prospers and it grows. But yet, I need to remind myself that I'm a stranger and a pilgrim. This is not my city. It's not my continuing city. I look for a better one to come. And I think maybe we need to remind ourselves pretty often that we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. That we're, we're not here this isn't, this, as the song says, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Sing that song. Run those words through your mind and let them affect how we live. We are strangers and pilgrims. Now, how does this person live? They live, they see themselves as strangers and pilgrims. They live in faith. They haven't experienced to the fullest that new city, that eternal life. Yet, having seen it by faith, they lay hold of it. <clears throat> and, and I believe that that is what needs to be happening as we seek his kingdom. We see ourselves as strangers and pilgrims. Let me move on to chapter, uh, verse uh, 24 of chapter 11. Here we're talking, looking at Moses' life. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. A couple things right there in that last verse we have it again, as seeing. Moses, a man of faith, a man who walked with God, and as seeing him who is invisible, he saw him, not with his naked eye, but he saw him with faith's eye, and he laid hold 
of that with all of his being. Now, there's something about Moses that's interesting. Moses refused to be called the son of Sarah's daughter, Pharaoh's daughter. And he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And he also saw the reward that was beyond this life. So, for a little exercise sometime, read those verses again and put your name in there. By faith, Glenn, that he was come to years, refused, and I'm not sure how you would quite word that, but at some point that I would esteem the reproach of Christ better than all that the world has to offer me. Everything about it, all the fashion, all the things that would draw my heart, that I would by faith lay hold of those. And that I would see that I had respect to the reward. And recognize that there is something beyond this life that is far better than we can imagine in our minds. But we believe it by faith as seen. Him who is invisible. That's faith at work in our lives. I trust that these heroes of faith can urge you on in your walk with the Lord. I'd like to go over some of these. I I think they're familiar to us, yet I think we should read them. Verse 33 who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the alien. Women received their dead day raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And those who were martyred for their faith, they laid hold of that eternal home. And, and they, accept, they did not accept deliverance, but they pressed on because they knew that my faith, rooted and grounded in Christ, will carry me through. And we need to believe that. Brothers and sisters, it needs to be firm in our hearts. We have not received, we have not experienced, maybe most of us have not experienced much difficulty, much suffering, much persecution for Christ. I don't, I don't know all about your lives, but I'm guessing that many of us have experienced some difficulties for being a Christian but probably nothing like what these heroes of faith went through. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. And they were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They weren't delivered right then, but they experienced and were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, 
receive not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I think we'll move on there off of Hebrews 11. But as we consider, we are strangers. We are pilgrims in this earth. We have no continuing city here. We seek one to come. And we need to keep that in our vision at all times. I think we have a greater challenge today. We have seen the heroes of faith and how they stood for God and how that they received the promise of their reward. They, they had envisioned, they saw Christ and they clung to that and when they were ushered into eternity, they could stand with Christ and know that. So we see that, that it was evident in their lives. And our cha- we have a greater challenge in our day today to keep a heavenly city in view. So much vies for our time and attention. Our thoughts need to be drawn back to Christ and what he says about suffering. What he says about difficulties in life. We are strangers and pilgrims, yet we have affluence like many places in the world don't even know of. And we think that these affluences are a blessing. Let's let's try to readjust that. And I'd like for us to, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 6. There's some verses there I'd like to look at. I still can't, I still don't fully wrap my mind around these verses. Yet I believe them to be true and God would want us to come to a place where we could embrace these truths in our hearts. I'll begin at verse 22. Chapter 6 of Luke, verse 22. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you and when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Another version says that they spurn you, they, and really that they reject you with contempt. They kick at you. They don't care about what you believe. And I, I wondered about that. Blessed are ye when men shall hate you. I'm vain enough to be at the place if somebody says something to me that was just a little unkind, that it hurts. It's, I don't count it a blessing. It's rather, ouch. I, I wish that wasn't so. You know, those kind of things take place. So that's where I'm at, brothers and sisters. But I'd like for us to maybe get a little better grasp of this. Blessed. It begins with blessed. Fortunate, well off, supremely blessed. 
I need to readjust my thinking. Brothers, sisters, I'm well off. I'm blessed, supremely blessed, because somebody said something that was unkind. No, no, because I'm following Christ and they don't like Christ evident in my life. And I trust in yours as well. And so that you're, this is, all happens for the Son of Man's sake. Not just because some little thing, they don't like how your hair's combed, or they don't like what shirt or pants you're wearing, or what dress you have on. Those are not things that this is talking about. But blessed are ye when men hate you for the name, for the name of Christ. So, I trust that, that you can grasp a hold of this thing and together as we ponder, maybe even beyond today, that Lord help me to see how I could be blessed when I suffer for Christ. Now, why be, make such a big deal? Who said we're going to suffer? Well, when we see when we see the things that are happening around us today in society, there seems to be, like we said, like I read there, rejection, contempt for Christianity. It's not respected. It's not looked upon as something that's beautiful by some in society. So may God help us to come to that place where we can count ourselves blessed. So, we got around verse 22, but what about 23? And that's, Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. May God help us to, to be at that place where we can say, what a blessing. You know, what was it Paul and Silas? They was it they who counted it a blessing just to be in chains and they sang and praised God. We may experience suffering for Christ's sake. Let's not try to evade it, to sidestep it. If it comes, let's do it and let's suffer for the cause of Christ. And may God help us as we, look at, as we face these things in our lives. Let me read on verse 24 through 26. But woe unto you that are rich, for ye have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are full, for ye shall hunger. Woe unto you that laugh now, for ye shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the prophets. These verses have challenged me. I don't have any needs. My needs are well supplied. Would I be considered rich? And woe is me because of where I'm at. Well, if my heart is set on those riches, woe is me for sure. But 
What does the follower of Christ do with wealth? May God help us in this area to, to be able to look at those things and say, I like, like this, uh, you know, I like his Christ. May we be that type of example. A few other verses here in chapter 6 of Luke. And as ye would that men, verse 31, should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what think, thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if you do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. As I pondered this, my prayer would be, Lord, help me not to entertain thoughts of self-pity, but rather, Lord, that I would bless those who persecute me and align myself with his word, and then embrace it with all of my being. Yes, this is what I want. This is for me. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's not lose sight of the reward. When we face persecution, and I believe we will face it, let's not lose sight of the reward. And let it order my life in such a way that as I go forward, it bears a clear testimony for Christ. need to look over here yet at uh, 1 Corinthians 4, a couple other passages yet. Um, 1 Corinthians 4, eleven. My thoughts went here. For We hear so much today about my rights. And, uh, you know, this is what I deserve to have. And now look, look how Paul turned those unpleasant things around. I'll read here in verse 11 to 13. Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer it. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. We can't do that in our own strength. We need to have our eyes fixed on Christ Jesus and be settled there as seeing it to be reality in our lives. And I believe that 
that God desires that for each one of us and wants us to live in that realm to where we can bless when reviled and we can suffer when we're persecuted and do it with joy. I mentioned several times that I believe suffering will come our way if we follow Christ's teachings in the future, it will come. As I pondered that, I don't know how you all do here for baptisms, but over the years I recall one thing that was common at our baptisms there at Gospel Light. Some of the questions are that we would ask the individual who was being baptized. Are you willing to suffer for Christ? And they would say yes. Are you willing to go all the way with him? I don't know if you, uh, if you ask those questions or not, brothers. But I believe they're good ones to ask. And I believe it's good to us for us to remember that as a new believer that we're going to face suffering. We're going we're to be persecuted for our faith. And that we need to expect that as normal in our lives. It also brings into perspective where we all are at. You know, reminds us again that that suffering will come and that we need to be ready. One other passage yet that I'd like to look at. You know, there's a lot of scripture reading, but... Uh, I believe it's very good just to look at what the scriptures have to say about suffering and about our response to it. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. I'll pick out several verses, not the whole chapter for time's sake. Chapter 4 of 1 Peter, verse 1. For as much then as Christ had suffered for us in the flesh... Arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Philippians said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let that be who you are. Let that mind be in you. Jump down to verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things... Have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. It's hard to know where to stop in this passage. I'll, uh, I'll just continue on. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. And I will stop there to say that we we can face some fiery trials and it's not imposed by any other person. 
that we face some fiery trials. Think it not strange when you face those, but cling to Christ and resolve and keep that reward in view and that God will minister grace to you through those times. Go to prayer, seek his face, and find strength in Christ. But rejoice, verse 13, but rejoice as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you do what is right, if you walk with him in truth, if you're willing to suffer for the name of Christ, ye, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. We need to believe that that scripture is true and lay hold of it for our own lives. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. That sounds like what I read in Luke, doesn't it? Be exceed, leap for joy, be glad. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. I trust that as we ponder what it means to suffer for Christ in these coming days, may we be steadfast and be resolved to go all the way with Christ. What an encouragement it will be to our hearts in this present life when we hear that the brothers and sisters at Zion were faithful through persecution. And I trust it can be the same way that you hear the brothers and sisters at Gospel Light are walking with him and that none of them fall by the way. May God keep us in his love and Keep our vision clearly set on him. Let us arm ourselves with the mind of Christ and take courage, for God will see us through. And we, we see that in scripture throughout. We see it in present day stories of God's provision for those who will follow him. So may God help us to be those who are numbered with the faithful and those who are suffering for the cause of Christ. God bless you.